Throughout history, free thinkers have outraged the religious with their wacky ideas about the virtues of free speech, reason, and of course, eating babies. Now, God is dying, and it's time to dispose of his remains. From the pits of hell, Satan sends two puppets of the imperialist West and the Zionist Jews against God, Islam, and tiny kittens to bring you their propaganda and conspire for a new world order. This is Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment with Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi. Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadists for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi. And with me is Armin Navabi. Armin Navabi, hi, how are you? Good. Doing good? Okay, so, um, yeah, today's episode is entitled Israel and Saudi Arabia, Strange Bedfellows United Against Iran. Um, so this is uh, kind of an interesting topic that has, uh, you know, sort of a long-term history and then also more recent events that would ha- that have been happening. So, um, you know, one thing uh, to mention over here that, you know, we're going to talk about this because we're interested in it. Also, Armin grew up in uh, Iran. Uh, I grew up in Saudi Arabia, so we also have uh, some personal interest and personal insight into some of these things. Um, so, you know, I, I think this should be a fun conversation. So, I've also been following a lot of the uh, Persian content, like Iran, like people from Iran from the opposite side, like argue, discussing. United States and Israel and the Iranian government and fighting each so I could also t- speak to that what people yeah um, yeah all right go ahead. yeah so Armin's kind of tapped into a lot of the uh, sort of the variety of opinions that are uh, going on in Iran right now regarding uh, the whole bunch of these issues that have been happening so recently what happened was the, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu who is kind of in limbo right now for his uh, position as prime minister, and we're going to get into that in a bit. Uh, so he recently tweeted about, uh, an, uh, quote, an open meeting of Arab countries sitting down together with Israel in order to advance the common interest of war with Iran. So he's saying Arab countries, and he sat down and they talked about the common interest of war. Soon afterwards, he deleted the tweet and then changed it to the common interest of combating Iran. Right. This so, was a while back, though, right? Yeah, this was some time ago. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, at the same time, there have been sources. There was like a, I think, a media agency that's close to the Saudi Crown Prince, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, who we've talked about here quite a bit. Um, and uh, this, these Saudis, they're urging the U.S. attack Iran because, uh, and they're saying that it's because of a, an alleged drone strike that closed down an, a Saudi oil pipeline. They're blaming that on Tehran. So They're probably the fact right. that Israel and Saudi Arabia uh, have been kind of working together behind the scenes, I mean, this is a, a sort of, this has been an open secret for quite a while. Mm. Uh, but recently, uh, neither, I mean, both of these states have become sort of more open about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, Israel has talked about it. MBS, uh, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, has even said, uh, and this has never really been said by any Saudi royal before, that Israel has a right to its own land. It's come out with the two-state solution, the, that Israel should have the right to exist as its own state. And this is a Saudi crown prince who has said that recently. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to unpack a lot of this. Uh, we're going to talk about this relationship between uh, Israel and Saudi Arabia. We're going to talk about the proxy war that's happening between Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, the opposition, the, the hostility between Israel, Iran and Israel. 
and um, how the situation in the Middle East, which is usually just a, it's a complete mess and it's very confusing. It sometimes generates strange bedfellows, and that's why we called this. And we've actually got Saudi Arabia and Israel working together. Um, so, anyway, so that's that's the basics. But uh, let's start with oh well, that, that's the that's the premise. But let's start with the basics. Right. So, Armin, let's. Well, yeah, yeah, I just I just want to say that this so the only thing that could bring Muslims Sunni Muslims and Jews together, people that are traditional enemies, like, is there, hatred for Shias. <laughs> is there mutual hatred for Shias, right? Yeah. That's the only thing that could get them united with each other. But another thing I want to point out is that Iran just loves, loves, loves the idea of Saudi Arabia working with Israel. Because Iran's, one of the Ira Iran's main PR is to t fully take advantage of Palestinian misery, right? Mm -hmm. And for Iran to become, be the main and only champion of, of the Palestinian people. And it's working. And the fact that Saudi, uh, the Saudi government is now playing footsies with Israel, I don't know what these people are thinking because even if, I mean, this is just plays into hands of Iran to show them as monsters and part of the Zionist conspiracy and all of that. Like, it's just, Iran is like, we don't even have to say anything. We just have to report the news accurately for the first time. Like, we, we used to have to lie to our people. Now we just have to report the news, right? Yeah. <laughs> Iran has had it pretty good uh, right. for the last, uh, I don't know... I guess around 15 to 20 years now, almost 20 years, they've had it pretty good in the sense that they just have to kind of sit there right. and let things happen. I mean, for the, for the longest time, uh, the U.S. was supporting Iraq in the Iraq-Iran war, um, you know, and uh, then after that, when the second Gulf War happened with George Bush Jr., and they went into Iraq to establish democracy, and uh, from, uh, well, all of the reports that I read, at least, Bush wasn't really clear on the Shia-Sunni difference and how all of that worked right. and now you have iraq is a shia majority and now you would have a democracy where you know you'd have shia leadership in iraq which goes in iran's interest because now iran can essentially form an alliance with them it, yeah. and yeah there's so that that's one thing that happened and it's now so, you it's have so this... amazing how uh, united states wanted to bring democracy into country into these countries and how well democracy is working for iran <laughs> Iran is like, wait, wait, wait. Like, Iran was like, wait, you want to bring democracy into Shia majority countries? I'm like, go right ahead. This is perfect so, for us. <laughs> exactly. So, so, I mean, so that's one thing. You had the Iraq war. Uh, then you have this whole Syria issue, right, where Assad is out there and Assad is supported by Iran, right? right? And uh, the U.S. would like nothing more, Israel and the U.S., to go against Assad. But the problem is that his opposition hmm. comes out to be ISIS. So if uh, the U.S. starts opposing As Assad and going against him, what? it's fighting on the same side as ISIS, but it's also well, fighting getting, against get, ISIS. You're getting away. You're getting um, no, a no, no. I'm, I, no I'm, yeah. I'm setting the premise for right. how Iran is. There's all this good luck happening to Iran because of the sheer confusion around right. what the alliances are in mm -hmm. the in the Greater Middle East. So I think that's one thing that's interesting. But Can, Armin, uh, yeah. yeah. No, no, no I, I just wanted to add to, you know, what you were saying, 
um, about uh, Iran's PR, right? Right. And why uh, the the Saudis uh, working with Israel is such a good thing for Iran. So one of the th- frustrations that Arab countries, the population, that the people in Arab countries have had with their leaders, which have largely been dictators, is that they feel that their dictators are are too friendly to Israel. So a lot of Egyptians, for instance, and Egypt is the largest Arab country in the world, um, they've had a lot of issues with the fact that their leadership has made an alliance, a treaty with Israel, right? Mm-hmm. They have a lot of problems with the fact that Egypt has shut down, remember, Gaza, when we talk about how Israel is cordoned off Gaza. The southern border of Gaza actually is shared with is, is Egyptian, and Egypt has also cordoned that off. So this is this frustration among the Arab population with their leaders, that their leaders cozy up to Israel too much. The Saudis feel that way too. I grew up there. I know how much anti-Semitism there is. I know how much that Sa- Saudis hate Israel, and that oh, with continues hash- to stay passionately. So, so this is what I don't understand. So the but, Saudi government has made so many mistakes in the past since since Mohammed bin Salman has come to power. Like I like I don't know how they're going to survive all this. Maybe they will, but it's just they it, because they rely they relied so much on Trump, and now they're realizing that. It's not gonna. They're not gonna get the return on their investment. It's not gonna. Pay and a surprise. the thing, yeah. But the the thing is that the people, they the the things that they're doing, their own people, the not just the Arabs in Saudi Arabia, but the Arabs in the Middle East. Without, if all these Ar- Sunni Arabs see them as monsters and uh, you know friends with Jews, I don't know how they're gonna be able to survive with such bad PR. Right, but but and, what's d- happening now, right, is that uh, so the, again, like you know, what we're saying is like if you look at the passionate hate that the Saudis have, the Saudi people have for Israel, and now they see their leader as well cozying up to Israel, right? Whose voices are the lone voices out there that are representing the anti-Israel sentiment of the Iran. Arabs? It's Iran. So, Iran. Um, and I've said this here before when when. Ahmadinejad and Iranian leadership and Khamenei used to talk about how Israel should be wiped off the face of the earth. When they said that, that that was a a, a cry to the Arab people, saying, "Hey, look, do your direct, do your dictators, do your leaders, you know, have the balls to come out and say this? What we're saying, mm. uh, so and to, to the Palestinians as well. Hey, so- is your leadership doing this?" And and the the problem is that they're not. The problem for the Arab people is that they're not. So that in in that case, Iran is also gaining some traction. When so let me that. give you an example to to for you to see how big of a deal this is. So th- this is something you expect, and then I'll tell you something that you won't expect, but you're but you see. Um, what what you see all the time is like when Nasrullah and when Hezbollah people come and give speeches uh, in Lebanon against Israel, and they claim the Hezbollah pe- leaders and and speeches and stuff. They claim that Iran. They yes, they openly admit that they're a proxy of Iran in Lebanon. They openly admit that Iran is sending them weapons. That Iran is sending the, them money. Right. They openly admit that they're not shying away from any of that. But you would expect that from Hezbollah, uh, Hezbollah fighting against Israel, Hezbollah's presence in Lebanon, Hezbollah's presence in the Middle East. Uh, you expect that kind of narrative pro-Iran pro because Hezbollah is Shia. But now if you, if you go look at videos from Hamas, they're saying that as well. And Hamas is Sunni, right? 
Yeah. But Hamas, which is Sunni, but Hamas is defined being anti-Israeli. So Hamas is, go, this is actually very recent. If you could go listen to the leaders, they're saying the Arab, the Arabs, uh, Arab regimes have betrayed them. And it's Iran that is supporting them. So Ham Sunni anti-Israeli groups are saying Iran is the only, uh, only government that is supporting them. It's saying yeah, that Iran is sending Hamas is saying Iran is sending us support and weapons, and Iran yeah. is uh, Iran is supporting the Palestinian people, and the Arab countries have betrayed the Palestinian people. So when Sunni militias say that as well, this shows that you know that what Khomeini wanted to play this trick and say like, hey, Islamic revolution of Iran is not a Shia revolution; it's an Islamic revolution against the tyrants, against the Americans, against the Jews. So. It, so Iran wants to have its cake and, and, and eat it too. It wants to use Shia areas in the Middle East to expand itself. But at the same time, it wants to tell Muslims around the Middle East like, no, we, we, support, we are, this is an Islamic thing, not a Shia thing. And the mm -hmm. way Iran tries to say that this is an Islamic thing, not a Shia thing, is by using Palestine. Yeah. Palestine is the key for Iran to tell Muslims in the Middle East that this is not a Shia thing. This is a Muslim thing. Yeah, nobody has leveraged the Palestine issue better than them. And and to show that, I mean, this doesn't just extend to Hamas. Hamas is a is an arm um, of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is an Egypt-based organization. And when, when Mubarak came down after the Arab Spring, who got elected in a majority, like a clear majority, democratically? It was the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, they came up. So it's the the Egyptians also feel this. I mean, they they um, it, it, with their leadership, the Arab dictators, the Arab leaders. Uh, forming treaties and allying with Israel has not played with the Arab populations, whereas, as Armin is saying, uh, the Iranian rhetoric uh, that's anti-Israel is actually playing really well among even Sunni groups, like hardcore Sunni groups, like like Hamas. So, so it's it's working, and and it's it's no wonder that uh, you know, and and now Israel and uh, a lot of these Arab leaders have a common enemy, and it, Arab leaders hate it. Iran for you know similar reason you know they they look at it as a threat to their power well I mean they're to be fair it, it to them like you might think like how big of a threat Iran could possibly be mm. for for Israel and Saudi Arabia to be on the same side and by the way Israel and Saudi Arabia do not have the resources to to fight Iran uh, and they know it. And this is why they're trying to drag in United States into this. Uh, yeah. Because, like, just a couple of examples. Saudi Arabia, with all the, mili with all the military, with all the weapon and the technology, the biggest arms deal in history with, that bought from United States. Mm-hmm. It went to war with all of that, with all its might, against what? Against Yemen. Against a bunch of Houthis that when you looked, them, looked at the Houthis on video, they were like, wow, this is like, these are, you know, a bunch of nomads yeah, the, that don't the, even the have shoes. Destitute. Yeah. And yeah. they went to war against Yemen because they said, yeah, these Houthis are Iranian proxies. And they, were, they wanted to, they said we could defeat these people in, did they say three weeks or three months? I forgot. Does oh, it doesn't. Doesn't matter because it took. It's more than three years now, right? It's how many years? It's five years now, right? 
I, I lost track how many years it is, but it's, it started it's, in the Obama years. Right. And they're still at it. Like it's becomes uh, they couldn't defeat one of Iran's weakest proxies. If even if I don't know if it was a proxies yet when Saudis argued and like made an excuse that it says an Iranian proxies, but even if it wasn't, it is now, right? Because they pushed them into the to Iran's arms. Uh, but but they couldn't defeat the Houthis. How and they want to defeat Iran? So, uh, think about um, think about the war with Israel. Israel went to war against Hezbollah again. That's and, yeah. I was going to mention two thousand and six. Another, another Iran's proxies, and Israel could not defeat Hezbollah. Imagine yeah, if Israel cannot defeat Hezbollah, what are the chances against Iran? Hezbollah and, is one of Iran's many proxies. Another example. One last example. Yeah. United States wanted to get rid of Assad. Assad, with its military power, is way, way weaker than Iran. And United States, with all its military might, could not remove Assad from Syria. Despite the red line that Obama drew, that if right. Assad used chemical weapons, then they're going to go and that's going to be the red line. That's when they're going to go and they're going to uh, take some action. Since then, Assad has at least twice, if not many more times, used chemical weapons openly, openly, right. with video of it everywhere. I mean, they, it's not even like they made a secret of it. They just denied it. Right. Uh, but there's there's there, there's more than enough evidence uh, that he did that. And he's still in power. He's right. still working. Iran is still supporting him. And uh, just one thing I wanted to mention about the 2006 war uh, with that Hezbollah had with uh, Israel that had a massive influence on the Palestinians and how they thought of Iran. I mean, that kind of reinforces the idea that, okay, this is just a proxy. This is the Arab army of Iran, a proxy army of Iran right. that's fighting Israel, and Israel could not defeat them. Right. right. So what hope does it have? And these are the people fighting us. So that's something that was very, very – it galvanized a lot of uh, sort of the, the Palestinian anti-Israel parties. Another in example in the live chat uh, is that United States couldn't defeat Taliban, right? Taliban is yeah. still – a thing and imagine compare Taliban's military might to Iran's military might again I'm not the longest running war in Afghanistan yeah. is the longest running war right in, and in Taliban is nothing compared to Iran's military might I'm not by the way I I'm not trying to exaggerate Iran's power yes if you go if you go full force United States against Iran obviously Iran will be defeated but first of all, Iran will go for full force. United States does not have the budget, does not have the political uh, appetite, does not have, you know, the will to go full force. And even if it did go full force, get, imagine the, the mess that we dealt with with removing Saddam and how, what, what that looked like after. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. That times i don't know how many that, it, it would be a lot worse because when united states attacked saddam that was saddam at its weakest right when they couldn't even just completely destroy taliban and they're still stuck with taliban but you know compare that to what the situation is with iran right now iran's military might right now it's at its highest compared to the 40 years iran has been in power Mm -hmm. Iran has an allies and you know its tentacles all over the Middle East. Iran has you, Iran owns Iraq. 
when it comes to the military. The proxies, the Hashto Shabi in Iraq is Iran's military in Iraq, which is stronger than Iraq's own military. Like, yeah. and so uh, one of the things you said that along uh, uh, among the reasons that the U.S. does not want to uh, attack Iran and go to war with Iran, uh, one of them is uh, they don't have the will to do it, right? And one of the reasons they don't have the will, they probably don't have the capacity either because, I mean, they, they stress themselves out in Afghanistan. They stress themselves out in Iraq. Neither of those wars had any real positive outcome. The Taliban is still in power, as Armin said. Uh, in Iraq, it created this sort of vacuum that created like horrible civil war. ISIS rose out of that. Um, so th there have been a lot of issues. It didn't really pay off the way that they wanted it to. So now starting another uh, war with a country as powerful as Iran that has um, that has a backing of uh, of Russia as well, right? Mm. And it, it's it's just not something that they have the will for. And more importantly, is the aftermath. Right. Once you attack Iran, right? You have, and we actually have a relevant comment about this. RPG gamer guy is saying, Chris, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Iran have an alliance with Russia? So starting a war with them has a potential to start World War Three. Right. Let me now, let me clarify. Let me tell you what Iran does with Russia. Iran is right now um, allied with Russia, but Iran knows better to rely on Russia. Like and yes. knows, because Iran is very smart about like compared to the Saudis, Iran has been very strategic with uh, I using ideology to build allies. Right. So right now is relying on Russia. But because this alliance with Russia is not based on ideology, it knows that Russia will let, you know, completely drop it as soon as it's not convenient for it anymore. The, uh, the alliances that Iran will bank on are the ones that are based on uh, spreading the the Velayat Faqih version of Shia Islam or, or you know all, all over the Middle East because these are the 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 proxies that Iran enjoys the the Hashd Shabi the Hezbollah kind of people these are people that will die for Khamenei right Russia will be here to, today will not might not be behind you tomorrow but go on Ali right but I mean with with Russia the problem is that they have uh, their sympathy for Iran is actually very clear even though russia does kind of cozy up to everybody and they're not very reliable like you know they're friends with uh, everyone they, they meet with netanyahu they meet with assad they meet right. i mean so so iran has been um supporting assad a lot russia has been supporting assad and when obama drew that red line he said if there's chemical weapons and i'm going to go into syria and then the chemical attack happened and then he backed off of it. The reason he backed off of it is because they had a meeting with Russia. Russia said, don't worry, we're going to just take all their chemical weapon capacities and we're going to keep them with us. Right. So, so Obama was like, okay, good. That gave him an easy way out. Hmm. So he let go. He was a, he had an excuse not to follow through on his promise. Hmm. And, um, you know, a couple of years later, same thing happened. So nothing really, it's so, not like Ru Russia necessarily did anything. So, so, so there is, um, so it, it's a complicated thing, but that doesn't mean that the aftermath isn't going to be horrendous, right? The aftermath is going to be if well, if uh, they go to war with Iran, it, the potential for that um, could be really, really bad. Well, right now Iran is calling U.S.'s bluff on this. Like Iran, the, yeah. uh, the government doesn't think they're serious about war, right? They think like it's like especially since it's Trump's first term, and. They think that if you go to war with if if Trump goes to war with Iran, it will lose the election, right? Uh, because remember, Trump doesn't have what Bush had to go to war with uh, to go to war. Bush had nine eleven, uh, 
um, right now, um, you know, tr Trump doesn't have anything like 9-11 to bank on to be able to go to well, war. Well, and Bush also had a previous eight years of peace and prosperity. So during the Clinton time, like apart from a few little cruise missiles going over here, a little bit of presence and sanctions, there weren't really any major expensive wars that the United States was involved in. Right. After 9-11 with Afghanistan and Iraq, the United States has been very, very, has been stretched very, very thin. So also, that's also another situation that Trump is right. facing that Bush didn't have. The thing, and also Trump doesn't have the right base. If you look at the new Republican the definition of the Trump base is more anti-war. Like you, it used to be that. Hmm? The Republic no, said they want the troops out of everywhere. They want, yeah. they want to get them out. And Trump recognizes that. Trump recognizes that his base doesn't like war. Uh, and this is more of a John Bolton kind of thing that wants to push the United States into become more aggressive. Trump himself doesn't have Trump himself doesn't have the appetite for it. And he, he saw the pushback from his own base when he did bomb some asset uh, as yes, he did bomb Syria. His his own base was extremely angry about it. So he knows that he will lose a lot of his supporters if he goes to any war. Like, you know, United States, you know, United States citizens on average are very anti-war unless something major happens like even in world war ii like the whole europe was under in hell and united states citizens were like yeah no we're not we don't want to go it took pearl harbor for united states citizens to start supporting a war right well they, so, they even had a treaty like right. they couldn't help they couldn't help the uk the uk wanted churchill wanted uh you know the u.s to come help bail it out and you know roosevelt said i'm sorry i got I just signed this treaty, right? This neutrality act, and right. you know I can't get involved. And um, I, I, yeah, again, they didn't get involved until Pearl Harbor when they when they got so rid of it. I, this okay. By the way, this is a little bit conspiracy theory. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not saying this is happening, but some people are saying that, like people that within the government, United States government that want war, have sent U.S. assets and military in Iraq. A sacrificial lamb for Iranian proxies to attack. So, like, basically, they sent so U.S. soldiers in Iraq are there to die, so that their blood could be an excuse for United States to attack Iranian assets. Right? Again, mm -hmm. this is uh, I, this is just something that is being discussed. I haven't seen any evidence for it, but I'm just reporting the fact that it's being discussed. Okay, not reporting the fact that it's true. Right? And the, the argument is that Iran is not taking the bait. Iran knows, the, the, they're saying Iran, like his attack is not, first of all, directly engaging, is sending some proxies to attack some oil interests and not directly United States assets, right? Because they don't want to give an excuse for United States to attack. Um, but some people say, no, this is not true. United States doesn't even want to attack Iran. United States is trying to bluff to put Iran to scare Iran to a position uh, to go back on the negotiation ta table when it comes to the nuclear deal. But Iran is not going to go back to the negotiation table on the nuclear deal because if there's one thing that is now uniting both the uh, so-called reformists and the um, you know, the conservatives, I mean, they're all conservative, but what would be the alternative to say? The fundamentalists and the reformists in the Iranian government, um, 
there were there, now there used to be two sides. There used to be the fundamentalists were like, no deal with the United States. This this nuclear deal is is bullshit. We can't uh, we can't have deals with the United States. They will betray us. And the reformists were like, no, we need to open the board. We need to open investments to the world. We need to negotiate. We need to become more friendly to the rest of the planet. And when Trump came and pulled the deal now the fundamentalists are you know started clapping and we're like we told you we told you we told you look how ridiculous you look right now and the reformists are saying no we should have given it a try uh but now that we're given a try and they you know to show the no this the reformers are saying this was our plan all along to make united states look <laughs> like ridiculous because now the whole world sees that they don't um they don't you know when they make a deal is you know, we, Iran looks good now. The, the reformers are saying we supported the deal because now Iran looks good because we didn't back out of the deal. United States back out of the deal. And the fundamentalists are like, no bullshit. You, you, you thought this is going to bring prosperity to Iran, but it didn't. And we told you that this, you shouldn't have talked to United States. But now they both are saying they both are getting on the bandwagon of we do not talk to United States anymore, right? They both on that bandwagon and it's political suicide to suggest um, we should negotiate with the United States after Trump pulled it, you know, pulled out of the deal. So yeah. now that Trump is saying, oh, we're going to put them under pressure to to come, come back to the negotiation table, they're not going to come back to the negotiation table. They're, they will, they, you know, even if you attack, they're not going to come back to the negotiation table. Like that's, uh, unless unless somebody, some radical, somebody does something that is, you know, without, anyways, like it's, it's really, really unpopular to do that right now uh, in yeah. the political side, right? There because is also, so politically, it's actually even, even more complicated than that because there are other variables. Uh, first of all, the leadership of Netanyahu is in limbo, right? right? So anybody who negotiates with Netanyahu right now or comes up with any sort of uh, any foreign, like the U.S. or Saudi Arabia, anybody who does anything with Netanyahu, you don't know where he's going to be. So Netanyahu is stuck in a big political mess. Uh, first of all, Israel is having uh, is having another election now, which is unprecedented. This never really happened before because Netanyahu, even though his party won the election, uh, the previous election, they were not able to form a majority government, and you know we, we'll get into the details of that later if we if we need to. Mm. Uh, but he could not form a majority government. Now he has to start another one, and then his uh, pre-indictment hearing for for corruption is also coming up, and that'll ha probably happen before he is able to go ahead and uh, if he wins again, you know, then the, the, he before he can form a government, it'll happen before that. So there's a lot of wild cards for Netanyahu. Uh, Trump, similarly, is in a different kind of limbo for the longest time. Uh, there was a lot of inaction because nobody knew what was going to happen with the Mueller report. Now that the Mueller report's out and it seems like Trump is relatively safe, um, there is still the issue that if Trump gets um, removed from office in 2020, uh, the next administration, whether it's a Democratic administration or a Republican administration, is going to have a very different foreign policy than Trump did. So Trump is thought of as an aberration, uh, in either way. So if there is a risk of him losing the election in 2020, it's not really safe to make any sort of deals with him that can reliably be uh, have any kind of long-term uh, life expectancy. So, you know, you've got both of these issues as well. So everything is kind of in limbo. Um, this is obviously not the kind of uh, 
situation where you know you'd want to make a decision like starting a war. Um, no, but as, this is as, so. This is Iran. I, I don't know. Like I think the Iranian government, the people that are in the Iran government, they must think God must be on their side. Yeah, right? because, I mean, they uh, twenty years, <laughs> no. Iraq War, the Assad, the U.S. backs out of Syria. Syria, the U.S. and makes Iraq like a Shia majority, gives the Shia majority in Iraq power. Mm. The U.S. doesn't. It, 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 everything that's been happening mm. has just been. Right, exactly what Iran needs to do. Iran doesn't need to do anything. Right. To, it just needs to sit there and watch. Um, and you know, I apparently the most damaging thing that's happened to Iran, right? Hmm. The most damaging thing that actually objectively you can measure with use, looking at the unemployment rate, looking at a sixty-five percent or so drop in their the value of their currency, hmm. happened with the sanctions, the sanctions that were there before the Iran deal was struck. Right. The reason that they struck the Iran deal, the reason Iran came to the negotiating table mm. and struck that deal with the the P6 or the P, you know the U.S. and the other European countries, is because it was choking under those sanctions. That was actually the worst thing that happened for them. All of the saber rattling about war and everything. I would be shocked if Iran is taking it, any of it very seriously. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, the first sanctions, the Obama, you know, under Obama worked because. They, you know, they thought like, okay, maybe if we go to negotiations, we could open the borders, open investments, have a better relationship with the rest of the world. At least the reformers were saying that, right? But the reason yeah, why the reason why the tougher sanctions now would not work is because the Iranian government would go to the people and be like, why would we make a deal with these people? We already made a deal once with them, and then they look they, what happened. Look what happened, like. It doesn't matter, you know, like, oh, sanctions, oh, we don't, like, a lot of people, to be fair, in Iranian people, there's a diverse set of opinions there. Like, you're going to find many Iranian people that will support the government, support, you know, you know, doing a new deal, don't support the government, but don't want a new deal. Even hey, support an attack on Iran from the oh, U.S. Oh, yeah, I have seen tweets from Iran, there's tweets from Iran that says, come nuke Tehran or something like that. Like, I've seen some shit like that. Uh, it's weird, uh, but there's like if anybody comes and says, "Oh, the Iranian people think this," just tell them to shut up because there's there's many different groups of people. There's no you know, ev and every side tries to make their their uh, the support for their opinion uh, seem like the majority opinion, right? There's no reliable. There is right, right. Go on, Ali. Are you there? Sorry, go ahead. No, you got cut for a sec. Yeah, yeah, I'm there. There was yeah, there was a little bit of a glitch. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear. Go on. You were gonna say something. Okay. Yeah, so but but there is one thing, like you know what you were saying that um, the reformists and the fundamentalists eventually came together, uh, you know, like after this whole deal was pulled out of. So that there well, they is didn't one come thing to, that, technically they didn't come together because they still hate each other, but they sound now they're both they, they anti. See eye the, to eye. They see eye to eye when it comes to like On no this, to negotiations. Yes, right. This yeah. issue, and they will see eye to eye now when it comes to trusting the U.S. Um, on on anything because I mean this is something that the the Mossadegh incident right when <laughs> in 1953 so people don't know in 1953 Iran had a democratically elected head of state his name was Mohammad Mossadegh right mm. he was elected democratically as a democracy and then he was ousted he was removed from power by uh, the CIA and the British they got together and they removed him from power mm. and then a dictator came in his place so. 
This was the the U.S. overthrowing a democratically elected leader from Iran, and that did not play well. Uh, eventually, uh, I think it was Obama who later apologized for it. You know, much much later, mm-hmm. and he admitted that that's what happened. So, so. Um, there was always this, there's always this conspiracy stuff that the U.S. is up to this, the Western powers are doing this, and that's what the the, the Iranian leadership tells its people. You can't trust them. This is what they do. Look what happened with Mossadegh, right? Right. So they can feed the people any kind of conspiracy. Now that you have this, so we, you know, we trusted them with the Iran deal and all that stuff, and then the next government comes in and it just violates it and says, okay, screw it, they rip up the deal. That just reinforces that narrative. So I think even even the people who were are the most optimistic about it, you know, now now are going to be cynical. So so a lot of people think, you know, so yes, Iranian military, they say, is, is more powerful than it has ever been. But a lot of people think, well, yeah, but this is not going to last long because what Trump is doing is putting a, a sanction on Iran that is so brutal that it's going to bring Iran to its knees. And this is this is not true. The reason why it's not true is because the the no the way that Trump wants to do that for Iran not to be able to sell a drop of its oil to anybody. That's not going to work. India and China are going to be like, well, you know, you don't get to tell, like, they're going to tell the United States to go fuck itself in a more polite way. Especially China. China, like, this, you know, Trump's plan really, really depends on China playing ball with the United States. And right now, it's not a good time. Not a good time for Trump to be asking China for favors. The relationship Trump and China are having is so inconvenient for Trump for for it to rely on China, right? So mm-hmm. Iran will be able to sell its oil. It will be able to sell much less of its oil, but it will still be able to sell its oil. Uh, and the thing is that no no matter how much these sanctions hurt Iran, the truth is that the connections and the alliances Iran has makes it makes it capable of being able to carry out a lot of operations on very low budget and iran has survived way worse than this like when when united states used to be more powerful in the middle east and iran used to be less powerful in the middle east and united states backed a war the iraq war against iran and iran was a country that came out of a revolution, a country that was bankrupt at, at that time, and it survived that war. Grant, one thing that Iran doesn't have compared to there is the, the, the approval rate. Like Iran coming out of the revolution, it had people coming up and volunteering in millions. It doesn't have that anymore, but it has more tentacles and connections and networks around the Middle East. United States doesn't enjoy as uh, the strength it had before in the Middle East compared to now. Iran does. So yes, sanctions will these new sanctions will hurt Iran. It will it will especially what the the, the amount of the kind of hurt that the United States is banking on is to make Iranian people more upset with their government because things are getting the the inflation in Iran right now it's as astronomical everything is more expensive people uh, cannot afford food like everyone's share of meals is getting smaller and smaller and um, the key thing is now for Iran and uh, so a lot of people will blame this on the Iranian government so this will increase so United States wants the sanctions to increase this uh, uh, disapproval in Iran against Iranian government 
So Iran, Iran's play would be to be like, look, this is United States' fault. And you might think like, well, then do a deal with the United States. And they were like, we can't. Look, we tried and it failed, right? So they say they, the narrative will be uh, of the government that this is not a hurt. That the hurt that you're feeling is not coming from us. It's coming from the United States, right? Um, and here's the thing, Ali. This is, this is very interesting. Iran is getting even more clever. Saudi Arabia's government is getting more and more, more dumb. And Iran's government is getting more clever. They're evil, but they're clever. Um, you know how when it, the early revolution, early years after the Islamic revolution in Iran, Khomeini hated like nationalism, wanted to focus on Islam, but because of the Iran-Iraq war, they realized that they have to play the nationalism angle a little bit as well. Yeah, Khomeini is realizing that's now in a bigger way. He just recently, in one of his sermon. He came out and said, this is not about, so it's, it's so clever because they have a different message to different people, right? To the Shias, the Shia, their Shia puppets around the Middle East, they say this is an anti-Sunni thing. To the Muslims, they're just saying this is an Islam versus the non-Muslims thing. To their own people, you know, in Iran, Islam is not as popular in Iran itself than it is in their among their puppets yeah, outside so of about, Iran. It's about their Persian heritage. It's about Iran. Legacy. It's about. It's not about to their own people. Khamen, even Khamen, okay, they used to say this, but these words did not come out of the mouth of Khamenei. This is the words that came out of other people to Iranian people to save. Don't save Islam. Save Iran against its enemies. But I've heard this for the first time. Khamenei say this. Khamenei, who's supposed to be the religious leader of Iran, said this is not about Islam. That if you're Iranian, you would be on the right side. So he They're was... Coming up. Yeah, nationalism. So, yeah, but it's weird that Khamenei is playing the nationalism yeah. game because he's a religious leader. So they are so clever. They know their audience. They know what to say to what people. To, to, to say, to use Hussein and Shiism to what people. To use Islam to what people. And to their own people at home to use their Iranian nationalism angle. And it's yeah, working can, everywhere. Yeah, You can merge this. This is like, you know, what we were saying about the... Uh... I guess I can mention it. The, the Imam Tawhidi interview with Candace Cameron. Or Candace Cameron. What's her name? Uh, uh, Candace Owens. Yeah, Candace Owens. You know, when he talked about he painted the uh, the Karbala battle as uh, and Imam Hussein as a reformer. It's like, oh, you know, he was a reformer. And look at how that turned out. So mm -hmm. it's kind of they, they there is a tactic. And this is, I think, a larger sort of more than Takiya, right? Which is pretty much almost always a myth. Um, well, no, like this, it, it, it's this, not always a myth, uh, it, but no, the way, no, the way, the way Westerners myth, use it is a myth, but it is yeah, there. But, but yeah. this is, the, the I think, the aspect of uh, the, the Shia uh, people that uh, a lot of people tend to fall for. I mean, and people fall for it, you know, just all over the world. And, and you're right. I mean, Khomeini did it. It's nothing new. Khomeini is leveraging nationalism when it suits him. And when you have that mix of nationalism with islam and you will have jihad mixed with nationalism uh, there's no stopping that i mean that that's what khomeini leveraged that's what uh you know well in israel what they're, they're like in the in palestine that's what they're doing the combination of jihad and nationalism right. it's just uh, it's a it's a toxic combination but it's a very powerful combination that is almost impossible to defeat we've seen that throughout history another hey, 
Uh, you mentioning history another thing that people have to understand is that people in the middle east they they remember their history right and unfortunately Mm. for united states history doesn't make united states look good in the middle east right and they will you know the most example they will bring that up a million times right and people don't don't forget these things and they will use that against them but but and and now you also have the backing out of the iran deal example right never trust the the western country so so going back to saudi Arabia and is uh, and Israel. Um, if you if you p- let's put your put ourselves in their shoes, like and them looking at Iran, because from their perspective, Iran is looking scarier and scarier, and they are right. They are right. I mean, if you if you look at the map, right? If you look at Iran's influence, right? So you have look uh, Iran now technically, you know. I know people will fight this, but arguably owns Iraq. Um, and owns Syria, right? So you have Iran basically having direct, like Iran does, can take people, you know, there's some uh, some mil- military officials in Iran were joking that they could just basically take an Uber if they wanted to from Iran to the, to the borders of Israel, like something like Uber, <laughs> right? So basically yeah. now, like, uh, Israel is like, what the fuck? My gr- number one enemy is now... Basically shares a border with me, arguably, right? Because if, if Syria and Iraq is in Iran hands, so they just managed to come all the way here, right? And Iran doesn't, Iranian government doesn't hide the fact that their, their understanding is that Jerusalem will one day be captured for Islam, right? That yeah. they, they, that's the whole goal. That's the end goal of Iran, right? So here's the thing. This is what people's okay so a lot of people like israel versus um iran so so, no sorry saudi arabia and iran saudi arabia looks a lot uh, scarier to a lot of people because they're like look at all the terrorists around the world right they came from sunni background they came from a wahhabi education that came out of saudi arabia look at 9-11 hijackers they were all saudi right so they're like why should we worry about iran where we have all the all the terrorist uh, threats come from you know you know Sunni background people, but but from another perspective, if you look at it, is that ter- terrorist attack compared to the empire building that Iran is doing is is nothing because when it comes to uh, the interests of United States, the interests of Israel, and the interests of Saudi Arabia in, in that region, uh, I mean, well, Saudi Arabia technically wouldn't be against. Anyways, but at least Israel and United States, Iran is a much greater threat than, than terrorist attacks here and there by, by a bunch of Wahhabi. They're taking over the whole area, right? Of course, they're not going to do... Ter- they, Iran would not do a 9-11 because Iran is not suicidal. Right? Iran yeah. doesn't... Iran, why, why would Iran do anything like 9-11? Iran is like, I'm taking over my own neighborhood. I don't need to go to New York. I'm dominating this entire area. I just want I yeah. just want United States to get up, get the fuck out of my backyard. That's what I want. I don't like, need with to... Iran, de- there's I don't, a, uh... They're like, I don't need to defeat United States in New York when I'm defeating United States right here. Why do yeah. I need to go all the way to uh, to their borders? But go on. Yeah, and they're doing. That's the thing. They do it more covertly. I think the Sunnis have a uh, has have a more overt and, uh, well, frankly, like a, a kind of a, a a a dumber or more 
sort of short. They they think very short term uh, when they're doing it. So you know they're going and attacking these places where they are. But what Iran does is it does what it did in 2006 with Hezbollah against uh, Israel. It does what it did uh, by supporting um, uh, Assad, right? Who who has killed hundreds of thousands of people already. So so this is uh, kind of the way that Iran plays into it. So it's not like Iran has Iran has never been involved in terror. That's that's what they say. No, no, it's a, it has been, been involved, involved in, in yeah, Hezbollah is a terrorist yeah. group and Iran funds it. Hamas is a terrorist group, Iran funds it. Uh, but the, well, the, Assad that, is a state terrorist. So. Assad is a ter yeah. state terrorist. But the, the thing is that the terrorist attacks that the Westerners remember is the ones that happened on their own soil. And Iran hasn't been involved in those, right? Um, we got a super chat. Do you want to read the super chat? Yeah, the super chat is from RPG Gamer Chris. Guy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, who, who? His name is Chris? Chris. Yes, Chris. Okay, Chris. Hey, thank you. Uh, and he's saying that as it stands now, I think Iran's downfall will come from internal strife instead of an outside force. I don't think so. Okay, I might be wrong. And if I'm wrong, comment, tell me like Armin, you were wrong. Okay, but the internal uprisings in Iran is not going to bring down the Iranian government as it stands. When Khamenei dies, maybe something will happen. But I don't, uh, but think about it. All these, the protests that happened in Iran, um, the the protesters, their numbers and their capabilities and their resources was a fraction of ISIS. Okay, Iran defeated ISIS in many battles. Okay, you think yeah. if Iran can defeat ISIS in battles, do you think they can't take care of their protesters? Iran didn't ha even have to bring its military power. The, the recent protests that happened. Iran didn't even use a fraction of its resources against that. It just used local police and the Basij. It didn't bring out its Artesh or the, or, the arm, uh, or the other branches of the IRGC. It didn't bring that out. It could have. These protesters, they don't have guns. They don't have tanks. They don't have RPGs. ISIS had all of those. And Iran managed to defeat them and d destroy them in many of these battles. So if Iran could do that, do you think that these protesters can bring down this government? They can't. And I know a lot of Iranians. By the way, I keep losing support from a lot of Iranians that want that are uh, for top the Iranian government to to fall because I keep saying that the chances are low. Um, and they're like, and I keep hearing for the past forty years in Iran. You keep hearing people that want this government to fall, that any day, any day this government is going to fall. Tomorrow, this week, this month. And they keep saying it. And it's been 40 years, and this government is only getting stronger. So I might yeah. be wrong. I might be wrong. They might be wrong, right. And they hate me because they say, like, I'm taking away hope from the people, and they're not going to protest if you take away hope. But I, this is just my opinion, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. So, whatever, so just to counter to what you're saying, um, I know you'll be happy to be proven wrong, uh, but one of, one of the uh, driving forces behind the Iran deal hmm. and that whole buying time of ten years and trying to keep that going, uh, that uh, you know the the, uh, the European countries and and the United States with Obama and Kerry uh, established in the Iran deal. What one of the purposes, one of the resting assumptions on that was that the Iranian populace, the population of Iran, is actually uh, the, the most pro secular and pro Western. Um, Muslim majority population or country that there is anywhere in the Muslim world and that the youth 
the people who are under 35 are about 70% of the population. Right. And that the uh, hardliners who are running the country, the clerical establishment, is uh, is getting older and older, and they've got cracks in it. So I'm just giving you the counterpoint. Right. So, so what th they thought was they, yeah. they're like, as far as uh, if we have any kind of hope with uh, any kind of place in the Muslim world, right, that, that we can uh, eventually galvanize the population of and provide some sort of covert support to and not not like not actually create a revolution there but maybe facilitate a, a significant change there then that would be the population of iran so that that was one of the so assumptions he, under which the iran the, deal was made um there's yeah. a problem yeah. with that narrative though but go on sorry mm -hmm. No, I mean, that, that's, uh, that was uh, one of the things that I read. It was one of the intelligence analyses. Um, again, I don't know, because you're right. It's uh, you know, when Iran, when people talk about, well, the Iranian government is going to be coming down any day now, any day now, any day now. And they were saying that in the 2009, the Musavi protests. Uh, they said it most recently here. And as you're saying, like the Iranian resources, you know, that, that's a very good point. I mean, if they can beat, defeat ISIS with all of its weaponry and all of its money, I mean, they, they can absolutely do that to their own Right. Uh, protesters, right? But it, it, they have that. But at you know, at the same time, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of when you know Netanyahu since 1990s. He's been saying Iran will have a nuclear weapon in one year. Iran is two years away. It's five years away. It's three years away. He's right. been saying that since the 90s, but it just doesn't so happen. So I I don't know. What I'm saying, I don't know what's happening with Iran. I don't think anybody really knows. I know the CIA doesn't have as much penetration in there. Uh, people just don't know what the pulse is. Nobody really has an actual pulse on it. Well, here, here's the problem. There's no reliable uh, way to figure out what percentage of Iranian people think what. Okay? There's no reliable yeah, way. That, that's but what I'm saying. There's no pulse. The, yeah. yeah the, but the... The thing is that you could only guess based on social media trends, based on what people are saying on Twitter, uh, the comments on YouTube and Facebook, and none of that is going to be scientific way. But you could just say, like, it looks like this. Um, and the problem is that every side will make it seem like the, the majority of Iranian people think this, right? And mm. But the most... the, the Iran's population is around 80 million, right? Mm -hmm. The most, the most conservative estimate, I would think that, I, I, and this is based on a lot of what experts are saying, and experts could be wrong, but this is the best we have. The you have at least, and again, this is the lowest I think, you have at least ten million people in Iran that will support the government, that support this government out of these eighty million, and this is you know, very, very low. Like, I'm, I think it might be higher, right? Out of these 80 million, there's t at least 10 million people that will support this government. And these are people that, if you su support the government, you think that these are, like, um, I, by support, I don't mean strategic support. I mean, like, ideological support. Because there are a lot of people, on top of this, people that support this government because they believe in it, there are a lot of people that hate this government and even hate Islam but they're supporting it, but they support this government because they saw what happened in Iraq, because they saw what happened in Libya, and because what they saw happen in Syria. They're like, you know what? Fuck this government. And some of them say, fuck Islam altogether. But if this government falls, we're going to have 10 years of civil war like we had in Iraq.
We're gonna like look at Libya. Do you want do you got do you want to live like people? Libyan people like slavery is back in Libya. Apparently, people are being sold, right? No, yeah, they, it is they're like, people look people. at Syria. Look what happened to Syrian people. Do you want that happen to us? So fuck it. We t we'll take it. We'll take this. I know, by the way, me swearing is. I'm trying not to swear. I know some people don't like it. I'm tr I'm I'm working on it. Okay, but they say, f you know, forget it. Uh, this this uh, I hate this government. I hope they all die, and if there is a hell, I hope they roast in hell. But as it stands, I'm going to support this government because they bought, and also a lot of them have bought into the narrative that, and I, I'm not saying they're right or wrong, that the United States doesn't give a shit about our, the people of Iran. They have their own interests, and even though this government is anti the people of Iran, um, the United States is not even against Islam because they're supporting Saudi Arabia. They're not support. The United States is not for is the United States cannot be for human rights of the Iranian people because if it was for human rights, it wouldn't be supporting Saudi Arabia. So, so United States is just against Iran. It's not against this government. It's, it just wants Iran to be well, weak because United. Yeah, they, they look at they look at the record of United States. It's like United States was against the Shah as well. A lot of them are being re reintroduced to their history. They thought like, oh, we were told when during our childhood by this government that. That United States, like our our previous government, the Shah was a puppet of United States, but now we're realizing that United States betrays every I Iranian government. So it's against United. So the narrative that they, this government is selling now is that it's oh, not and, about and the U.S. backing they, out of the Iran deal. Probably didn't help that. Narrative. Yeah. So the, the the government is like, listen, United States is not against us. The United States against, is against Iran. It's against you, whatever the government is. And this narrative is now selling, and not to everybody, because again, there are a lot of people that want the United States to attack Iran, but uh, but a lot of people that even are even against the government don't want you. They, they want this government to stay because they like. I'll take the devil ruling over Iran over civil war because i'm making my, i have a job i at least i have security i don't want to worry about people uh, isis coming to iran again and and doing what it's doing to syria you know i take being a fort i, I take the sanctions i take be, having less food less luxury over having to worry about isis because at least we have security right and people are like oh how could you think you have security they're arresting people that are protesting they're like yeah but if i keep my mouth shut nobody's gonna come arrest me right at least if i keep my mouth shut and remember we see we see videos of protests and be like oh my god the people are uprising but that's but am among the people that hate the government only a tiny fraction of them are coming in the streets only a tiny fraction of the people that hate the government no, but, are but coming armin in the how do you know so you're saying the 80 million of 80 million people, there are 10 million who actually ideologically support the government, and the rest of them are just, they hate the government, but they're no, just kind of sticking with them because they're, they're No, no, they're not saying, the rest well, of them. Okay, so, again, out but, of but, the, but how, how do you know, how do you know that it's, uh, like, a 10 million out of uh, 80 million? No, no, okay, so I'm saying, based on what uh, Iran experts from Iran and outside of Iran, the lowest number I've seen... Is 10 million the lowest okay. number of this thing and I don't know and this is based on polling or this is based on expert experience and that's why you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's so unreliable 
right? Yeah, this it's is so unreliable. Little. But this is all we have, right? It's all we have, right? But I've ne- I've never seen anybody suggest lower than that, right? Mm. Because I think it's probably higher, right? But again, because we don't have reliable polls, it you have to be very skeptical about these numbers. And I'm saying be skeptical about these numbers. But it, even if it's five million, which is not, I I really think okay. But the thing is that. Out of these million, out of the ten million, two million of them are willing to die. Do you think? Do you think if tomorrow, all of a sudden, Iran government falls, right, and we have what a democratic a government and a secular government comes takes a replacement? Do you think all these people that would have died for Khamenei and would sit back and be like, "Oh, I guess we have a secular government now"? Do you think they would just sit home and be like, "Okay, let's deal with this new reality"? This here's no, it's th- be civil war. It's but here's the thing. One thing that these the people that support okay so we have people that support the government for strategic reasons that we have people in Iran that don't want this government that are that are want this government to fall without United States help we we have people that want this government to fall with United States help but among the people that support this government and they are ideologically in line with this government these are these are they call the they think the people that want the government to fall they're pussies. They say like you want the government to fall, but you will faint from a, from from seeing one drop of blood. This is this is their, this is their, okay. So here's the thing: the government. This is the narrative on social media, by the way. It's so amazing. So the the government supporters, the she, the ideologically in line government supporters in Iran, they challenge. The, the activists in Iran that want the government to fall because they say we, we're they're, they're, they're saying we're calling your bluff because you're all pussies you're all liberal elites living in upper Tehran that want you know how the conservatives make fun of liberals in the United States like oh go get your Starbucks stuff so they Arugula. yeah so the 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 ideolo- the, the Islamic right wing people in Iran they they think that these protesters yeah, they might they might be able to tolerate being arrested for a few hours or a few days or a few weeks, but they're not willing to die for it. They're not willing to die for this government to fall. They think as if they see blood, they will they will run away. They say that on the people that are on the side of the government, they will give their lives and their children's lives and their whole family's lives to keep this government because they are keeping this government alive for the Mehdi to come back for the yeah. end of times. This is the government chosen by God to represent Mehdi until That's the end of combination. time. Right. It's a combination of nationalism and uh, apocalyptic, like a re- religious apocalyptic fetish. Right. Like it's so- uh, that, that, that combination. So like the Iranians, so the Iranians that want the government to fall, they know that they're not willing to die for it, and that's why some of them, not all of them, they were like, "Hey, we need we need foreign assistance for this for, to make this happen, right?" A lot of them, some other, other groups that want the want the government to fall, they're like, "Yeah, we want this government to happen, but not with back foreign support because you're a, you're a traitor if you ask for foreign support for this. This has to come right, from right. So there's different groups, but but. The thing is that if this government falls, it will be civil war because the because these right wing this religious people will fight the secularists till they die, and there will be other groups. There will be the Turks. There will be the Turks uh, in uh, you know north of Te- northwest of Tehran. They will be like 
this is the time for our independence and, uh, and you know we can join a new Azerbaijan and the Kurds would be like this is our moment in history finally we'll have a country the Arabs in Khuzestan will be like, this is a time for our independence because now we we could like, you know, Iran has been so bad to the Arab citizens of Iran all this time. And they, they even had a terrorist attack recently. So the Arabs in Iran want independence from the rest of Iran. The Sistan, Baluchistan, the east, southeast of Iran. Province, yeah. They, they, were, they were like, this is our time to get independence. And the fact that you know they haven't been making this a secret that they want independence right and if the if if this government falls they will all pick up arms and here's the thing the non-religious the non-religious nationalist type in iran they're like fuck it if all these people want independence then we don't want this government to fall because we don't want these give excuses to these people to they say we will Okay, so the religious people. Well, because now, now they're going to be at war with everybody else because no, because the secular ones are the most chill, and they're the ones who. No, no, no. Actually, on this, they're not chill. Okay, so the nationalist secular type, they're like, maybe this would be something I would die for. I would not die for Islam, but if I if we're going to lose Iranian soil for in the, for somebody in, for people to want to declare the independence now that's something that that I might be willing to die for because they're like I'm I'm not going to die for Islam but I might die for Iran right so yeah. they're like I so, will I will support this government if 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 them falling is going to mean people want to cut out the pieces of Iran then I will support this government so again so it sounds it sounds so familiar so first of all so I guess the title of this this episode, Strange Bedfellows, I guess that applies within Iran as well. We have all these people <laughs> right. playing strange alliances. Right. But it sounds a lot like, you know, that the classic um, story of these dictatorships. I mean, in Iraq as well, you have very generally, you have this iron fist that has been keeping everything under control. You know, if things have not necessarily been peaceful, at least they've been quiet and people have been going on with their lives. And then you take that iron fist away and then suddenly... Uh, you have all of these different factions, and and they, they, everything becomes very very complicated. Right. So, but this is but the thing is that even even though the uprisings in Iran is not it doesn't seem that promising, it is the greatest weakness of Iran. It is Iran's greatest weakness. The great the the people in the live chat were correct. The greatest weakness of Iran is not coming from outside. It is coming from inside. The problem right. is that Saudi Arabia, Israel, and United States are all looking for forces from within Iran to support, right? They like they know this is the greatest weakness. They're like, oh, okay, who's who's on the front? Who's the organized groups within Iran that we could support to bring yeah. Iran down? The That's worked really well in other situations when they've tried to find something opposing the government to support from within. Uh, you know, I, I'm being sarcastic. For the U.S., yes. it, it hasn't, right? Anytime they've tried to find the moderate factions against the dictator and they've tried to support them. It, they've always, always fallen flat on their faces, always. So the, this is a, right. I mean, most recently happened with Assad, the, right? So, 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 so this is how. And, and with Iran, they don't even have a lot of transparency. Again, they don't know what's going on. Nobody has any polls. Nobody has a real. You have these dissidents who, and and out there who are saying certain things, and you have other voices coming out of Iran. Nobody knows what the percentages are nobody has any like accurate polling or anything from there right but to make any kind of reliable so this is how dumb this is how dumb the foreign policy of saudi arabia and so surprisingly united states has been because they for a long time the group that they decided to support 
as the major opposition from from among Iranians against the Iranian government was the MEK, the Mujahideen Khalq, which is the only group of people that the Iranians hate more than their own government. Okay. I mean, if they were if they were investing in the worst possible group to to become a replacement for this government, it was they couldn't have picked anybody, uh, you know, to top, to be worse than the, the MEK, and they picked the MEK. And the fact that they p- picked the MEK um, showed to me that Saudi Arabia has no freaking clue what they what it's doing, um, and neither does neither did John Bolton and Rudy Giuliani because they both supported the MEK. Uh, and you, and then I think so, now they realize that they 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 backed the wrong horse and they went to they looked at the recent protests in Iran and they looked and they saw the recent anti-government protests in Iran. They looked at what people were chanting, and people were not. They saw that people were not chanting Maryam Rajavi, uh, which is the leader of the Mujahideen Khalq. That's not the group the, the the name that they were chanting. They were chanting the the uh, the son of the previous shah the monarchists they were saying they were saying reza shah ruhat shah and they were saying like oh the prince like they were asking the prince to come back and bring the pahlavi back but the thing is that the people that was the only chant that so- showed support for a certain group but there's still the minority the problem is that the the son of the, pre- the shah who, who's in who is in the united states now he doesn't even support monarchy himself so the fact that the monarchists are trying to back him to bring back monarchy is, is so I- ironic uh, that, but the thing is that there is no organized, there are a lot of people from within Iran and a lot of Iranians outside of Iran that want this government to topple, but they do not have any organization, they don't have any unity, and they constantly accuse each other uh, They have uh, of being puppets of Iranian government as soon as they disagree. You know how... How Iranian governments, every time they want to accuse somebody of something, they accuse them of being um, Zionist puppets. So, for example, if if a government, Iranian, if an Iranian that supports the government wanted to accuse me of something, they would probably go with being paid by Zionists, right? But the anti-government forces. Iranian anti-governments, if I, for example, if they hear today, today's episode and they say, they hear me saying that, oh, uh, fighting Iranian government, uh, you know, Iranian, Iran governments look strong, the protesters don't have that much hope, they will hate me and they will be like, Armin is probably paid by Iran's government, right? I'm probably Iranian government's puppet, right? And they, they constantly accuse each other of this. Every time they disagree on something, they accuse each other of being uh, puppets of Iran and, and trying to become, uh, you know, disunity among their ranks. And they don't see eye to... Uh, and they, they, every small disagreement is separating them and they're not organized. They have no... They're no none of these groups are a serious, serious threat to Iran Iran's government yet, right? Mm. Um, and so, so I don't know where would the opposition come from because I can't think of a the strongest opposition group is the monarchs. The monarchists. It's not the secularists. The secular humanists. It's the monarchs. Uh, the monarchists, and they don't. They don't even want secular humanism. They want a. Uh, they want a Zoroastrian dictatorship, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but, 
but anyways, it's 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 complicated. I, but I just yeah. I just do want to go back to the topic, uh, to the main theme, which is looking at the perspective because this is what I was trying to get in. The perspective I mentioned the perspective of Israel and how how bad everything looks to Israel, and it's very interesting because with the recent tensions going up with between the United States and uh, Iran, what is very bizarre is Netanyahu hasn't been speaking much about this. Netanyahu usually starts, this is the time that he speaks the most. Like you would expect right now for him to be on Twitter, to talking shit against Iran, and be like, you know, say, you know, bringing, giving people reasons why we should go to war with Iran, and, you know, congratulating Trump for his tough stance and all that stuff. But he has been silent for the past week or so, which is very, very bizarre. Uh, some people in Iran are suggesting that Iran called his bluff and knows that they don't have the resources and capacity to go to war because they thought like, you know what, you you guys are not... So, so basically this is what Iranian government's narrative is. You guys are dumb, but not dumb enough to think that you could go to war with us. Like they're saying this mm -hmm. is a bluff, you're not... So we call that your bluff and now you're desperate to avoid going to war with us. And that's why in, their, their narrative is that this is why Netanyahu is, is quiet because it's getting too close to getting to war. And Netanyahu knows that they can't afford that because they've every time Iran's proxies have gone war with Iran, they, Iran have come out winning. So they're like, if we go on to full on war, then you're going to be like, oh fuck, no, we can't. We can't. But, so, but, but why isn't he, like before the elections, this is the time when he talks about it. I mean, doesn't, so I don't know what the reason is, by the way. I'm just saying this is the narrative from the Iran pro-Iran government side, right? Right, because I mean that does kind of uh, drum up his base, and this time he would also have support from. Uh, uh, well, I mean Trump's got John Bolton, and there's all these sort of uh, hawks in the in the Trump administration right. uh, who would back it up too. So it could actually even feel more real. I I think he's just. Uh, I think I think he's just got bigger things to handle right yeah, now. Yeah, but. It, but the, okay, so but even yeah, you're right. But also, people in Iran would point to look. Look at Trump. Trump is like uh, saying like, oh, maybe you know we don't want. He's now look at what he's saying right now. He's saying like he get Trump give his personal number to the to the Swiss and told them to like tell Iran that I'm waiting on the phone. They could call me at any time. And Iran is like yeah, you, you, like Iran is like not calling. This is like you they're, they're laughing at him in Iran. They're like look, Trump is begging us to call him. And uh, like look how desperate they are. At first, look the narrative from United States keep getting like less harsh and harsh, right? At first they were like these are the con they give Iran a list of conditions to to meet before they start negotiation. And Iran was like, well, we don't want to negotiate, so why should we meet your conditions? And the conditions are ridiculous anyways. And then the condition, the list of conditions went from like 10 to 3, right? Mm -hmm. And then there were no conditions. Trump was like, here's my number, please call me. So Iran is like, look, <laughs> they, they, they tried to act tough, and now they're desperate for us to call them, and we're not going to call them because we don't want to negotiate with you, right? We called out your bluff. And they also saying, like, first we're like, oh, we're going to. Why does the U.S. want to do this, though? Why would what? the U.S. want to? 
No, what do they want to negotiate? So, okay, depends on who in the United States you're talking about. John Bolton, uh, he just wants. He, I don't think he uh, he he oh, just he wants has, to bomb everybody. He just he has a boner for bombing people, right? So for he, that's him. Uh, Trump base. Oh, he, oh my God! You just gave me this visual of John <laughs> Bolton and his boner. <laughs> no, oh. but, no, but but Trump's base, uh, they probably want to go to the elections saying like, "Look, I pressured Iran into a." better deal that's what they want right so they say like they want to they wanted to act tough puts a lot of pressure on iran for iran to be be desperate enough to for oxygen like for make to make iran suffocate enough to to come to united states to beg united states for another round of negotiations and this time a deal that trump could come and tell united states citizen look I made a better deal with Iran. The deal that Obama made with Iran was ridiculous, but I came up with a deal. I put more pressure on them, and now I have a deal that is um, like they didn't want to go to war with Iran, but they come with the United States citizen and like, look, my deal is now better, right? And now that Iran is not, the problem is that the pressure that they're putting on Iran, he, he kind of always knew that wasn't going to happen. No, actually, it seems like there are some reports, and I don't know how reliable it is, that he's now upset with his advisors because he think, they told him Iran will come and make a new deal, and Iran is not coming to make a new deal. And Trump yeah, is but... angry that why you told me that this pressure is coming is going to force Iran to come make a new deal, and it's not. The thing is that the pressure that they put on Iran is being felt by the Iranian people, and not much by the Iranian government. Okay, um, so so Iranian government doesn't. It's not like the Iranian they government. Like, they don't yeah, give a shit like about and like yeah, like what, sanctions. Like sanctions why would they care people. about the Iranian people? Like it's not like they're good yeah, people. This is, so, um, yeah, this is kind of interesting, and I think that what you what you said before makes a lot of sense. I mean, if oh, if <laughs> if they made a deal with Obama, right, and and a, a whole bunch of other countries. And they got together and they made that deal, and that was relatively reliable. There was a very good chance that deal would have been carried off into the future, and it would have had some lasting power. Right. Um, and they they made that deal, and now I, that that deal has been violated, why would they make a deal with Trump, who's when that life expectancy would be even more unreliable? Yeah, they would. They than would, the previous deal. Yeah, like, they no, like, hey, if presidents change and next president, every president can stop the deal of the last president, and also, Ali, this is this is so this works so well for them. Because you're you're it, loving this. No, but no, I don't love this because this this is good for Iranian government. <laughs> but but it's very interesting. But here's the thing. They are also playing a different narrative. They're like, look, this is why we don't have full-on democracy in Iran, because because this is why we need a religious leader plus a, a presidency. And they're now saying maybe we should even get rid of our presidency because look, we, they made a deal with one president, and the next president come and they threw at the deal. But That's Iran an argument against and democracy. They, yeah, and they say this isn't this is the argument against full-on democracy because in. We, when you make a deal with Iran, there's some, there's a portion of the Iranian government that will never change, and that show that gives you stability. And they're going to Iranian people like, see, this is what full-on democracy gives you. Not, uh, uh, you know, you don't even know who you're talking to. You're talking to one president, and then the next president comes in and like, he's like, oh, you didn't deal with me. You deal with the other guy. So why should yeah. we make a deal with this new guy if the next president could come and throw out his deal, right? Yeah. So, 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 and this is why, this is why they say. 
So a lot of people in Iran, they say like, oh, we hate our government because Iran, because instead of taking care of the Iranian people, they're taking our tax money and they're investing it in Syria. They're investing it in Iraq and they're investing it in their empire building. They're like, we, like they say, Iranian people are saying, we have problems here at home and you're worried about the Palestinian people. You're worried about your war with Israel. You're worried about your war with, Sa your war with Saudi Arabia. You're worried about your war with I United States. We have people here at home. Take care of your people at home. And Iran government's reaction to response to that is like, look, Given that deals don't work, given that negotiations, signing papers, treaties, you make one deal one day and these motherfuckers are going to throw it out the next day. So given that none of, none of this works, the only language that these people understand is military might. They say, you know why they want, they, they, they want us to not have a nuclear weapon and but the North Korea apparently now is allowed to have a nuclear weapon do you know what's the difference the difference is they have a nuclear weapon already so that they can't they can't talk shit to them the US yeah so, this idea so, so there's so also like, this idea the US never goes to war with countries that have, have nuclear weapons so they're like look the only language these the Israel understands the only language that Saudi Arabia understands the only language that United States understands is the language of who has the military might and this is why we are building our empire. This is well, they don't call it empire. The the nationalists call it the empire. Uh, the 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 religious people call it exporting the Islamic revolution, right? So, so they they the the only the reason why we need to have this amount of influence, uh, where United States has its interest, we want we we want to be there and we want to be a threat to them because this is. This is what they get. This we, we have to force them to listen to us. We can't negotiate with them. And here's another thing. A lot of people, are, they tell their people, they say like, oh, you, you tell us why we're messing with, you know, Israel and why we're like funding people against ISIS in Syria and in Iraq. We are, this is our neighborhood. They tell, again, I'm going to sound like such an Iran apologist, but the problem is that these arguments work. The, you, you might, okay, so when I say these things, let, let me just say, I'm not supporting the Iranian government, but these are strong arguments and, that they work, and it's unfortunate. No, they are it's, persuasive. Uh, uh, and it's unfortunate that they work, and you can't, the thing is that it, you cannot... If you want to f defeat Iranian gov the Iran's government, you have to come up with a better counter narrative, because uh, because you need you you need the people on the ground. You can't just you cannot defeat governments and militaries just from up air. And if you want to defeat people on the on the ground, you need the support of the people on the ground. And your narratives are not working. Iran's narrative is this: They're like look, United, look how look how unfair this is. United States is telling us. Telling the Iran's government that you shouldn't meddle in these other countries. They're like, bitch, this is our fucking neighborhood. You're coming across from all over from another continent and you have bases all around us and you're telling us not to meddle in other countries' business? This is our, this is our backyard. And they say, guess what? We are in Iraq. They say Iran's military is in Iraq with the blessings of Iraq's government. Iran's military is in Syria with the blessings of Syria's government. We, we are in Lebanon 
with the blessing of Hezbollah, which is part of Lebanon's government. What about you motherfuckers? You came to Ir Iraq with no one's fucking permission. You came and bombed Syria with no one's fucking permission. Right? You come and... You, you, uh, Saudi Arabia can't... You Saudi are trying to swear no, less? No. Yes, I'm trying. It's, it's not working. <laughs> Saudi Arabia kidnapped! Kidnapped the prime minister of another country! Your voice is getting very muffled when okay. you're yelling. This okay. little volume. Saudi Arabia kidnapped... I don't want to ask you to but, turn it okay, down. But okay, I'm not, I'm not supporting the Iranian government. But if you want to defeat the Iranian government, you first have to have better narratives. You need to hire me, okay? So that, that's how we talk about you the, need Trump, to the Trump I will, administration. I'm just saying, like, it, I'm coming off... I realize that this is coming off as being a, an apologist for the Iranian government. I'm just saying that if you... You need to hire me. I will give you better narratives against the Iranian government. Because if you say like, oh, we're coming there to save the Iranian people, people are going to call bullshit on that. Because you put Saudi Arabia on the head of the Human Rights Commission in the United Nations, they will call bullshit on that. You are responsible for selling arms to Saudi Arabia that dropped it, dropped it on children that bombed ports to use starvation as weapon against children. You sold weapons to Saudi Arabia for to do that, and now you're coming off and saying like, "Oh, humanitarian crisis. We need to save the Iranian people." Well, people can call bullshit on that. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. <sighs> yeah. So <laughs> that was. I did not want to get in the middle of that, but that was. You're right. And by the way, I don't want you. I don't think. Well, I know you. I know you're not an Iran apologist, but I do think this is important. I get kind of animated. When it comes to this with like with U.S. politics, where whenever I'm talking to my liberal friends and they're all talking about, you know, well, the Mueller report this and we have to defeat Trump. I, I get very – I'm like, Trump is brilliant. His strategies are brilliant. What he's doing, he's playing you. He's playing the media. He's playing the narrative. Like, you know, all – and you guys are all falling for it. It's the same kind of thing. That doesn't mean – that uh, I, I'm a Trump apologist. Actually, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious I'm, I'm the exact opposite. But right. in any case, there is a uh, question here. We should go to from... patron, patron questions. And yeah, the... we'll go to patron questions. There's oh, actually, one it's patron actually, question. Oh, this is a, it's not a patron question because this is a, uh, just you, just to be clear. Wait. The ones that is just you and me is public to everybody. So only when we have guests. The live streams are for patrons, but when it's you patrons, and me this alone, is for everybody. so this is for everybody. So, so yeah, Eamon Whitfield is asking. Excuse my ignorance, but why does Russia have interests in Iran? So yeah, there's there's no ignorant thing there. I mean, that is a good question. Yeah, it's a good question, Armin. Well, because yeah. <laughs> Russia is Russia is being very smart regarding to the you know again countries like Saudi Arabia is being dumb. Countries like and in Israel is being dumb. But uh, Iran and Russia is being very smart because they're trying to figure out how I can make the biggest amount of difference. How can I be the most uh, uh, carry out the most weight and be the be be the cause of most influence with the, with the limited resources that I have, right? So Russia, by getting involved in backing Syria and Iran, becomes an important piece of the making negotiation work. Like for example, you know. United States can't ask Iran, for example, for anything, but Russia can, right? Russia can make ne negotiate with Iran, and because because Russia got close, for example, to Iran and Syria, Russia becomes a, a, an important piece in making things that United States wants and the important things that Israel wants and Saudi Arabia wants. Russia becomes an important piece of the puzzle because how close they are 
to Iran and Syria, right? And that way they could ask for things. That way they could put pressure on United States if they need to. They're very, very smart. They kept Assad because Assad is now loyal to to uh, to uh, to Russia, and and by having Assad there, um, you know Russia could be like, hey, United States, if you want to do, if you want to talk, you know, force me out of Ukraine or whatever else, I could f fuck up your interests in the Middle East because I have Iran and and Syria and they're my buddies, and now I could, you know, like it's just it just makes strategic sense to them. It's not ideological. It makes very, very, you know, because Russia is not as powerful as as it was. So it has to play smart rather than, you know, showing off its military might. It has to be more strategic, and it's doing it very effectively. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Now, one more thing: um, Israel and Saudi Arabia. Why are they getting together, and why do they want to? Is mm -hmm. That's one question. Look at okay. the map. Okay, this is what I wanted to say from the very beginning, and I and I never said it. If you look at the Shi what they call the Shia Crescent, right? Because remember the way Iran get made goes with its influence. So there's there's a, it's a pyramid scheme, right? The base is Islam. Okay, you, Islam where Islam is there, you have some influence, and then where there's Shia Islam, you have more influence, and then when you have Velayat Faqih branch of or Khomeinism branch of Shia Islam then you have the maximum influence right and that's where the so basic and then when you have proxies then you have the, all the influence right but the thing is that you need to build the base this is why they want to this is why when they want to export their ideology they don't go like hey worship Khomeini and Khomeini no they spread they smuggle in Hussein before they bring in Khamenei and Khomeini, right? So smuggling Hussein is is to lay to lay down the base. This is why I'm scared when I see Ashura in Vancouver because I feel like who's funding this? Somebody's layering the base here, right? So, yeah. but 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 if you look at the Shia Crescent, you can see you have Iran, you have Saudi Arabia, and it looks like the Shia Crescent is swallowing Saudi Arabia and Israel because the Shia Crescent comes. The places are in the Middle East where it's Shia, you know, you have the Houthis in Yemen, uh, you have Bahrain, which is like a lot of Shias there. You have you go into Saudi Arabia itself, the oil rich, the oil rich parts of Saudi Arabia is Shia. Imagine how scary that is to Saudi Arabia. You go Iraq, which is mostly Shia. You have, go to Syria, which is mostly Sunni, but they managed to keep a Shia, the Shia government in power. And you know, if and then you go all the way down to, under Saudi Arabia, you have the yeah, you have Yemen. Actually, I already mentioned that. But the thing is that what you what you have, you have Saudi Arabia here in the middle, and you have the Shia Crescent, which is a crescent that is basically swallowing Saudi Arabia. And uh, Saudi Arabia is like, okay, this is this is scary, scary. They were scared from the from 1979. They were scared, and they're they're if they were scared before, they're terrified now. Because Iran yeah. never made it a secret that they want this, it, the, they want the Saudi government to fall. That is like Saudi Arabia. At least here's here. Okay, let me give you what the Saudi narrative is. Right, the Saudi narrative that is that works. Everything that Ben Salman has done is 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 dumb. But what what the narrative works is like, hey guys, look, Saudi, we the Saudis. We don't really care about anything outside of Saudi Arabia, okay? We're just defending our own borders, 
right? Yeah, these were how we built madrasas and stuff out there, but that got out of hand. We're like, yes, terrorists came out of Saudi Arabia, but that was not the house of Saud. Like, that was not us. That's just like something, an experiment that failed, okay? Like, that was not intentional. We didn't want to create Al-Qaeda. That We didn't want to create ISIS. Uh, and technically, you also, United States, you're also responsible for ISIS and Al-Qaeda. But it wasn't intentional, okay? We just want, all we're trying to do is to keep Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia. But what Iran is doing, Iran is coming out of its own borders. They're coming out and they want to end us. We don't want to end Iran. We had a good relationship with Iran before the Islamic Revolution. We were, we were allies with the Shah. So we're we're not empire building. They are they are they are meddling around the Middle East. We're not meddling yeah. around the Middle yeah. East. So that's their narrative. And there's um, like they look at what they're saying. Look at their sermons. They're saying that they wanted the whole the two holy cities. They're saying one day we will be able to bring the holy cities back to for Mahdi. Like it's, that what they're saying is that they're going to capture Medina and Mecca for Shia Islam. That's what they're saying. And they're saying they're going to capture Quds. Israel is saying the same thing. Israel is like, look, I don't want to go destroy Iran. We uh, we don't want to invade Iran. They want to invade us. They're saying this. Their army, their foreign army, is named after our after Jerusalem. They 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 have songs about capturing Jerusalem for Iran. So yeah. So I, what is Iran building a nuclear weapon or not? Iran is wants to be okay. This is a, this again. Every take everything. Be extremely skeptical about everything we say here because there is. First of all, Iran has many many different parts when it comes to who in Iran you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So there are people in Iran that think Hashemi Rafsanjani. He thought that Iran shouldn't even have an army, right? Yep. So so there are people in Iran that think like no, we shouldn't. Uh, they should. They say we sh the Iran shouldn't, and there are people in Iran that say we should. They should. Iran ha should have a nuclear weapon. Yeah. But the, that I, I talked that, to a cleric they, like many years ago in in Qom, Right. But right, and he was saying that it would be un-Islamic to have a nuclear weapon. Okay, so. but it doesn't matter what what this cleric or what that cleric says. That they say, you, right? You no, yeah. no, no. They, I'm not saying that guy was doing takia because he might be. I'm just saying there are, you could find many clerics that think that it's un-Islamic or whatever, Iran shouldn't have a nuclear weapon. And you could find uh, clerics that say we should, ha we should have a nuclear weapon and the day after we have a nuclear weapon, we should be using it in Tel Aviv, right? So you will find examples of all of that. The real, some might the, want to use no. it as a deterrent. No, yeah, like, okay, no, no the real that. question is that the people that actually have the power, what do they want? Okay, that's the real question. Yeah, well, not not we, only what do they want, but are they going so to? So I'm gonna because I, that is the narrative. Everybody says they're building one. Right. So the people that are the the main major influencers in Iran, right? They're not idiots. Okay. If Iran has a really, sh if you could find absolute proof, absolute proof that Iran is building a nuclear weapon, I think that would be very very dangerous to this government being able to survive the the time between not having a bomb and having a bomb will be the time that this government will be at its highest risk for falling right what instead of actually this is what i think is happen what they want and again this is a guess so take it with a grain of salt like a lot of salt because 
There is no reliable proof evidence to show that this is true. But if you're playing the game theory and if you think the players are all rational, this is the smartest game to play is to bring Iran to a situation where it doesn't have a nuclear weapon, but has the capacity to go from not having a nuclear weapon to having a nuclear weapon in a very short time. Yeah. So what they want is to not actually have a nuclear weapon, right? But create the resources, the technology, and all the the the, the know-how to be able to build be, one, very, build very, one fast. very fast if they needed to. Yeah. Because yeah. then they can have. This is the perfect situation for having the cake and eating it too. Because then they will have the. Because if you actually have the nuclear weapon. It's risky. It's a deterrent, but it's also risky because while you're in the process of making it, if people find out, that will be the time that you could actually get an international coalition to fight to finally attack Iran. Uh, so it's risky, but the but once you get the deterrent, it might not be risky after that. Uh, but this is a perfect situation where you do not create that high risk situation. But you also have the deter deterrent element of it. Do you mm. know what I mean? So it yeah. will basically create the best of both worlds. Okay. Right. Go. Got it. Yeah. So because you know that's that's one of the questions is that it's it's almost established that they're building one, but at the same time, you know, everybody said, oh, it's two years away, three years away, one year away, two years away, and it just but, it hasn't. So nobody. But, but anyway, really... people be 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 very clear about this. They're having nuclear. Um, you know, power plants and having nuclear weapons, that's two different things. Because if you ask, Absolutely. yeah, no, if you say the, if they having nuclear energy, they're unanimous on that. Yeah, they want that. Okay? They want nuclear energy. And there's no one in the government that we know of, at least, that says we shouldn't, they shouldn't have nuclear power. The question that Ali asked was nuclear weapon, not nuclear power. But go on. Would Iran, if they had, and the last question before we go on to the, 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 if they had a nuclear weapon, if Iran had it, would it use it on Israel? Wouldn't that be just national suicide? Yeah, no, of course, no, yeah. They, and it, wouldn't it kill a lot of uh, Ar Arabs as well? No, they, probably yeah, kill more no, Arabs. They, than... No, they wouldn't use it. They're not okay. Again, the worst kind of evil is smart evil. Okay, so yeah. the problem with the Iranian government is not that it's not that they're chaotic idiot idiot evil you know don't let the religious side of them fool you they are very politically savvy why would they like of course they're not going to nuke israel like what what why would that accomplish giving the whole world united against you like why would they no i i you know what i have this is one thing i think you're hitting on something that's super important is people say something this stuff about iran that iran is uh, it's chaotic. They're absolutely crazy. You never know what they're going to do. They're unpredictable. That's actually that couldn't be further from the truth. Like this idea, right? That uh, Iran will is, is this apocalyptic thing that will only ally with religious people. That the U.S. is a great Satan. Iran allied with the, the Soviets, right? Who are the atheist, godless communists. Right. So Iran has done that when it suited its purpose. So the, this whole idea that it they would, use uh, they use religion. Okay, so they do they do have the narrative that they were going to bring the end of times and stuff, but the, the 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 strategic element of that is that nobody knows when that is right. So it's not like they want to bring the yeah, end of yeah. times tomorrow. They could they could they could basically ask 
you know, they could keep increasing their resources, their wealth, their strategic power, and keep acting like they want to bring the end of times forever, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody, like, you don't have to act like you want to bring that end of time soon, right? You just, you know, so it just works perfectly. So you could act like yeah. you, you could act like you want to bring the end of times without actually working on bringing on the end of times. You actually, technically, you're working on just increasing your wealth and your power, just like everybody else does. But this time they're using religious narratives, which is so the Shia narrative works perfectly. Like it's just, it's just, it's, it's, in, just, yeah, it's, it's written for this kind of stuff. But go on. It is, yeah. More okay, questions. so patron question: New Santera Rising um, is Assad not the preferable option for atheists? Though he banned hijab, allowed drinking, and Western lifestyles. Not for you, not for humanists. <laughs> like we're no, not, not for, not for, yeah, not at all. Like this, uh, this whole idea. The, no. I'm, I'm not majority gonna... of atheists that 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 I know, and remember, when I'm talking about atheism, and when we're talking about atheism, we are thinking of humanists. Yeah. We're talking about countries like uh, the Scandinavian countries, like Canada, like Japan, that have really, yeah. really high rates of non-belief, and these are not places that uh, want to do. Look, okay, of... if somebody, okay, we are, I, I'm, we are extremely anti-Islam, okay, but if somebody comes talks shit about even like I know Assad hasn't done that, but even if somebody goes as far as being a leader in an Islamic country that talks shit about Islam and drops barrel bombs on its on children, do you think we're gonna clap when they talk shit about Islam? You no. know yeah. who the fuck cares that they're talking shit about that they're doing something against as you know Islamists or Muslim fundamentalists? They are. They are a bigger monster. Like Assad competes. Assad competes with ISIS when it comes to brutality and human rights violations. So it doesn't. Even if it doesn't do that in the name of religion, fuck him. Fuck him. He's a bigger monster. He's as big of a monster as ISIS. Sorry. I love this. No, no, you're on fire today. I absolutely love this. So here's the thing. Like I'm, I'm an atheist and a humanist because it's a moral choice. It's a moral choice. I don't like authoritarianism. I don't like totalitarianism. So if there is an atheist nation, a country that is officially atheist and they... Which is, he's and, not, and by a, the way. He's Muslim. Yeah, yeah I know. No, he is. He's, he's in... Yeah, more he's secular, in Alabi, though, Asia. More secular. Yeah. But, but supposing there was, right? And then they forced it on people by uh, telling people what to wear, banning the hijab, and, you know, forcing that, that kind of thing, I would be absolutely against because that is what I associate. That's what religious people do. That is not what what I would want to do. So when we're, we don't want we don't want to we don't want to defeat evil with a with another form of evil. Right. So, yeah, we're not going to this whole idea that you have to take one side more than the other because one side is with non-belief. There's a lot of atheists who are complete assholes. Right. Um, and, you know, we know that. OK, so. Uh, next question. I'm kind of uh, going through this. I'm I'm going through the video actually right now because for some reason the chat lost all the older questions. No, I have so, them up here. You just go s- yeah. scroll up. No, no, mine's not scrolling all the way up. Oh. So Uday is saying, oh no, he's asking another person. Uh, this is about Kuwait and oil. So uh, guys, if we missed some of your questions before, can you post them again? If there's something that we missed that you want us to answer, because I saw yeah. some really good ones. Right, so um, RPG say, Chris is saying uh, Trump is only safe right now because a president can't be arrested as per the United States Constitution. 
Uh, yes, he, he can't be indicted. He can be impeached. That's a complicated thing. That's for another episode. That's yeah, not so, something that we're going to get into it because it'll get okay. It'll get off topic. I see a question um, from Halal Park. Do you see that? Or uh, yeah, do it. Ask Halal it. Park is there, is there is there another religious uh, faction? Uh, fraction, I think you mean. Fra uh, no, faction. Sorry. Faction. 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 Yes. Another religious faction in Iran uh, that has a chance to stand against the Shias. Uh, or will it be secularism versus religiosity like in Turkey? Uh, religious fraction, uh, faction, sorry. Keep misreading it. Um, I don't think no, so. I don't think there's another religious faction. Religious faction. Let me, no, okay, so Against the MEK. I mean, a non-Shia The MEK is weird because I don't, I don't know if there's a category for that. The MEK is like a marriage between Islam and communism. So like it's two monsters having a baby. Um, so I, there are a religious faction, but it's a more of a cult than a religious faction because they're not big enough to be a religious faction. So that's the MEK. It's just a weird, by the way, look in, look up the MEK there. It's, it's such yeah. a weird cult. So, um, Uday, so no, wait, sorry, I, have, me, I have one from Uday. Let me, let me finish, let me finish answer this, but, but, um, I think it would, it actually, the answer is yes. There, there is another re religious fa uh, faction that actually you're right. The highest threat to Iran is another religious faction, but it's a different version of, Sh of Shia Islam. Okay, so basically, the greatest ideological threat to to this to Iran's government comes from non-Velayat Faqih Shia Islam. So, like Shirazi Imams in the in UK and all the the Shia Muslims. So this is the problem. If you <laughs> the greatest organized threat against the Shia government in Iran is another Shia uh, is uh, are other Shias, <laughs> right? So if you get rid of is if you get rid of this government, it's a very high chance that whatever comes to power in the power vacuum that causes uh, that uh, that that is comes right after this most organized group will be another Shia institution um, and more religious actually which is weird if you can, like more religious Shiism but anyways um, yeah so there's a the it's another version not only not only there I think actually this is very interesting because not only they are the higher the the greatest religious threat to this um, government they might actually be the, the most organized threat to this government and that's why you see more pro iranian propaganda for why iran's version of shia islam is the correct version of shia islam because because it's easier if you want to go right at the and capture the base of the support that this government has um, what you would do is you go with to them with the, with telling them that you know what you got Shiism right, but Khomeini and Khamenei lied to you about Shia Islam, because Velayat Faqih is a lie. So that would be, that is a dangerous threat to the very base of this government. So in, the greatest threat to them might be another version of Shiism. But go ahead. Yeah, uh, Uday is saying uh, do. Death by stoning and death by beheading Sharia laws exist in Iran like they do in Saudi Arabia. Wait, um, death by stoning? Don't they, in Saudi Arabia? Don't they just behead only? 
They yeah, have... they mainly behead. I mean, they officially have death by stoning. They had the Regent Punishment, hmm. but they don't really exercise it. Actually, Let... recently, for, for many years, they haven't even done the amputation. It's been they very, very crucifixion. rare. They do crucifixion. They do crucifixion. Yeah, they've done crucifixion. They've done beheading, but they haven't even done the amputation for stealing as much hmm. as they, they used done... to. Okay, so Iran has done amputation. It's, it's rare in Iran, but it happens. It's recently, they... Death by stoning also happens mm -hmm. in Iran. But not by government. Death by like okay, so the recently the government cut off some th uh, thieves' fingers. I, they have a specific machine for it. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Uh, the death by stoning, if it does happen, is because either the government ignored the stoning or they got there too late, and it happened in a village somewhere. But officially, the yeah. government doesn't carry out stoning. Okay. All right, but I mean the Sharia laws—they do hang gay people from cranes and and blasphemers. Yeah, which a lot of a lot of Sunnis might point to how an Islamic that is. So Iran, yeah. the way Iran government, uh, the Iranian government, the way they execute people is uh, is hanging and a lot of time public hanging. If they want to make an example of something, buddy, the problem is actually much, it, it sounds less barbaric than what Saudi Arabia does, but it's actually more barbaric because. The the beheading is instant. Uh, yeah. The hanging takes a while because they don't do the method where you get dropped and your neck breaks. Neck breaks. They don't do that. Basically, they put you on a crane and they drive away and then you get hanged and you suffocate. So it's a yeah. slow death. So Iran's way looks cleaner, but it's more barbaric and it's more painful uh, the way they do it. And it's actually less Islamic uh, because a lot of Sunnis that are anti-Iran will remind you that where is hanging in Islam? Like, where, like, how is this Islamic? Why, like, I don't know actually where Iran gets that from. I have to look into that. Because there is no hadith for hanging people. Is there really? Uh, no. So they... the, uh, But in Iran, the, I remember in Homeland, they actually showed it very graphically. Brody was uh, hanged oh, in yeah. Iran. I'm okay. sorry if that's a spoiler, but it was many seasons ago. That's how he was killed from the show. So... Anyway, um, uh, James Gross is asking, can you talk about the Iran-sponsored Al-Quds Day protests? Isn't this something that pisses used... off the Iranians a lot? Oh, yeah. Because they're like... Well, a lot, every course, the, the divisions in Iran goes every uh, gets higher, right? Because the pro-government people come out in the streets uh, and they say stuff against... Uh. By the way, if you want if you want a highest amount... Like, the reporters come and talk to people. If you want to hear anti-Semitic stuff, uh, the highest... You know, the, just go look at the interviews that the reporters of Iranian um, TV does with people on God's Day uh, to come and talk about Israel and stuff. Oh, it's so insane. But anyway, so... This is the time of the year where people in Iran show their support for the Palestinian people and against Israel... And the people in Iran that are against the, their own government will remind everybody of how ridiculous this day is, how Iran is spending money and support for foreigners rather than taking care of its own people. There was actually, actually, okay, here's how, here's how intense the situation is, okay? Uh, so coming up, this God's Day that was coming in Iran, which is the celebration of Jerusalem and people, Iran's loyalty to, against, uh, to, towards Palestinian people and against Israel, right? Coming this close day, a lot of people, Iranians on Twitter, were shitting on this day. And there's a hashtag that I think, I don't know if it was a hashtag or it was this a topic that was trending. Uh, Iranian people were saying they love Israel. So they're saying, yeah. fuck 
fuck Iranian government. Not only on this day, we're not going to say that we hate Israel. We're going to say that we love Israel. And there was this this religious woman in Iran saying like, I see a lot of people, Iran, a lot of traitors from uh, our country are saying they love Israel. Obviously, they're a minority. I'm going to do a poll. This was her mistake. I'm going to do a poll. I'm going to ask my fellow Iranians to, to answer, and this was all in Persian, to, to vote to say if they love Israel or if they hate Israel. Because Iranian people... Uh, are uh, will will not disappoint me, and they will vote that they they hate Israel, and fifteen thousand people voted, and this poll was written in Persian, so you could trust that most people answering were Iranian, right? Because people, other people but I mean, it wasn't even you know non-Iranians didn't even know what this that this was happening. So it got fifteen thousand, but this is not scientific, so. And usually when you ask a question like that, you're being you're challenging people to come defeat you. So take all of this with a grain of salt. But more yeah. than 80% of the Iranians voting on this Twitter poll voted that they love Israel. Mm-hmm. They love so 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 this is on social media. If you just look at Twitter, it looks like wow, this is what you get from Iran that 80% vote Iranians vote that they love Israel. But again, you, you don't eighty percent of Iranians who who saw the tweet. Yeah, I, I, it might I, it might indicate that most Iranians love Israel, but you don't know because again, this is the Twitter environment. You don't know if it represents and, uh, and the people of on the, the ground. Context in which but, yeah, and if you look at and if you look at Iran TV, obviously you're gonna show like they're gonna go into the Quds protests in the street. They're gonna interview people, and you're gonna feel like wow, Iranian people really hate Israel. If you're on Twitter, you're gonna feel like Iranian people love Israel. If you're looking at Iranian state TV interviewing people in the street, you're gonna think Iranian people hate Israel. Which is yeah. again. So again, who's right? Who's wrong? Who's the majority? Nobody knows. You Nobody can just, knows. But we can't guess. It's fun to guess. But go on. Right. Okay. So uh, Uday is saying, uh, Armin, uh, this is a quick one. So just take, uh, do this as quick as you can. Oh. Armin, which part of Iran are you from? You're from Tehran, right? Yes, Shemran, Upper Tehran. Which people? And where were you born? Wh- when? Where were you born? Upper Tehran, Shemran. Uh, yeah. Upper Tehran. Upper and Tehran. where did you study about Islam? Well, in school, like my whole life in school. They, it was, yeah, it was we all man- have to do that. Me too. This is part of your, I mean, you learn is from first, from kindergarten till my university year we had. So in Iran, uh, so in Iran, the school system is not like, um, it's, it's not just elementary and high school, right? So in other places, you have six years of elementary and six years of high school. In Iran, you have... Um, five years elementary, three years of guidance school, and then four years of um, high school. So five, three. Wait, does that add up? I think that's add up. Yeah, that yeah adds up. That's five, up. three, and four. Right. So uh, the five-year elementary school, you have, you know, you have, you learn literature, you, have, you learn uh, math, science, plus one subject which is dini, which means religion. But then when you go to high school. That one subject turns into three subjects. So you have one subject which is Dini, which is religion. Um, then one subject which is Quran, and another subject which is Arabic. So there's three different subjects uh, focused on because Iranians don't speak, you know, their their t- language is not Arabic. So because the Quran is written in Arabic, you have to learn Arabic. But then if you go when you go to university as well, which I went to Tehran University, you have electives 
that you cannot not elect, which is frustrated me. <laughs> That's a lot like the leaders. <laughs> right. So you have mandatory electives, uh, which included Dini, religion, Quran, and Arabic. Um, so you, even university, which I, I, in university Tehran, I was studying biology, you know, cellular biology. And we still had to learn, we still had to study, um, you know, I, by the way, for basically for, for, you know, all my high school years and university, we studied Arabic and I aced all my Arabic tests and I can't speak Arabic, which basically we learn how to pass exams rather than how to speak. Yeah, I, I was in, uh, in, in Pakistan, we also had to do uh, religious studies. It was compulsory. I didn't do it for all my schooling. I did like when I was in the American school in, in Riyadh. I didn't have to do it, but in pretty much all of my other years, throughout university, throughout medical school, we were taking uh, Islamic classes. And um, I always took the Sunni course. A lot of the Shia students, because Shias are a minority in Pakistan, they would take the Sunni classes because they were easier. Uh, you know, they everybody else, you could borrow each other's notes, you know, because there were people in the class. If you did the Shia version, you'd be kind of on your own. So all of us kind of did the Sunni, the, the, the Sunni training. I think Sarah Hedder also has a similar story. She studied... Uh, Sunni Islam a lot more than Shia Islam. But Shia stuff we learned at home anyway. By the way, a lot so, of Muslims tell me that, oh, Armin, you don't understand Islam because you you learn Shia Islam, which is not the true version of Islam. So uh, everything you say is um, it's bullshit. You don't understand. But what I'm trying to do is, like, somebody is telling me to, um, uh, Yuval on, fa on Facebook live chat is asking for that uh, tweet um, I'm going to try to find it and maybe I want to show it on the screen, but Ali, you go ahead and find uh, the other. I think uh, we're mostly done with the patron questions. There's a lot of comments that everybody's kind of speaking to each other, which is amazing. Uh, but I think we're uh, kind of done with all the relevant uh, things. Really... Harris Sultan is here. Harris, how are you? And someone's asking uh, about his book. Harris Sultan's book is called The Curse of God. Um, it's a fantastic book. I, I wrote the forward to it, so it's available on uh, Amazon. So you can take a look at it. Harris Sultan, The Curse of God. And then Harris Sultan has been a previous guest here. So, um, you know, check out that episode as well. I want um, to you, okay, keep looking because I want to find the tweet and show it on screen if I can. If okay, there's a question about the um, free Balochistan movement, which is more of a Pakistani thing. There's a separatist Balochistan thing going well, on. On both sides. There's on, on both sides in so Iran on, as on well. The, so in Iran, you have the Sistani Balochistan, right? So the Balochi people are... Yes. So the Baluch people in Iran side and the Pakistan side, they might want to get together and unite and become independent. Uh, yeah. And they're, they're, being, they're very mistreated. They're very, uh, I'm so I'm down with that. I am uh, totally cool with it. You just lost I, all the nationalist Iranian fans because there's yeah, this well, is their greatest number. Um, sorry, will, sorry, uh, nationalist Iranian, and well, a lot of nationalist Pakistanis too. But the thing is, one of the reasons that Pakistan is really uh, sort of horny to keep uh, Balochistan in, and not only because of the natural resources and everything, but also because Gawadar is a, is a port in Balochistan. Um, that is kind of like Karachi. It's it's on the it's one of the few entryways into South Asia and uh, it's so, a huge coast and, and Pakistan has ownership of it and uh, that they, they don't want to give that up. That's also another so, so I know where that tweet was sent to me. It was sent to me on Skype, but I'm talking to Ali on Skype. So I'm going to, but it was sent to me from Iran and I don't want to give away my contacts from Iran. So I'm going to remove the Skype away from the screen while I switch 
um, while I switch to that chat because I want to make sure I'm not giving away anybody, um, any of my contacts from Iran because they will get hanged if I do, you know, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is not a good time to look for this tweet. So um, Nusantara is saying, uh, are you guys following our shit show in Indonesia? Uh, not very closely, but we really, really want uh, somebody from Indonesia. How are you getting cut? I, I'm really getting sorry cut. I haven't been able to materialize it. Nusantara. Oh, okay. No, I have said that we want somebody from Indonesia to come on the show. So Nusantara, if you can email me. I'm typing in my email right now. If you can't see it here, um, just go to my Twitter uh, bio. It's right there. It's aliamjadrizvi at gmail.com. If oh, you could Harry write Sultan to me over there. Here. Yeah, I just did the whole oh, thing did. with this book. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I was, I was looking for Armin was looking for his tweet. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I will link. Santara. Okay, I can't find it right oh, now. Hold on, let me I'll... finish this. Uh, can you just yeah. get in touch with me? And uh, let me know if you'd be willing to come on or if you have any suggestions for anybody who can talk about Indonesia and, and come on the show. Okay, I, I can't find the tweet right now, but I will find it and I will link to it in the description of this video, uh, of this live chat, to the tweet that I mentioned with the, with the people. By the way, the, uh, I, 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 I covered the tweet on, the, on screen on the Persian sh uh, show of Atheist Republic uh, as well. So I know it's there for sure because I, we showed it on screen. But I wish I could show it to you on screen because it's actually a very interesting poll. But but r r right now you just have to take my word for it. But we will link in the description. When I find it, I will link in the description. But go on, Ellie. Sorry. Okay. So, yeah, I think uh, we're good here. We got everything. I'm going to uh, check again on uh, Facebook. Okay. And to see if there's any more uh, questions on there. No, but, I said, um, that's what I was doing. I was responding to you all on Facebook. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're done. I think we're uh, good cool. over here. We're going to get and a lot of people finding little things that disagree on on this and they're going to come on Twitter and they're going to be like, oh, you said this. This is like... Please do. Do that. <laughs> do that. But but yeah. guys, yeah, one thing I just have to let you guys know. You have... I have lost a lot... There are a lot of people that are were really happy from Iran that found out that I, somebody from Iran like me is very active. Uh, against uh, the Islamic nonsense that is coming out of Iran. But I have lost a ton of support from Iran because of uh, because making sense, making more sense than they do. Uh, because of being realistic about the possibilities and the level of influence that this government has and some of the inhumane things that some activists from Iran support okay not again not all of them are, uh, are like this there are a lot of secular atheist humanist emphasis on humanists from Iran as well but there are some there, there are some people that are so obsessed with getting rid of Iran's government by whatever means necessary they like we don't care if we have to make a deal with the United States we don't even care if we have to make a deal with the devil himself. This They have been hurt so much by Iran's government that they say if Tel Aviv wants to come take over Iran, we will welcome them with open arms. Israel, whatever. We This government has to go. They say, like, people say, no, if this government falls, it will be 10 years of civil war. 
They say we will pay the price with blood. We will pay the price with the blood of our own children, if it ha if it if it takes, if that's what it takes to get rid of this government, because they have suffered. They are tired of this government, and they will like ten years of civil war. Bring it on if it means that this government falls, right? But there are other people that say, no, that's not worth it. We're not going to, that's not the price that we're willing to pay. And there are other people that say, no, 10 years of civil war is not going to happen. That's bullshit. That's fear mongering. We get rid of this government and everything is going to be rainbows and butterflies after that. Uh, there are people that say like, oh, if this government falls, no, the Turks are not going to try to get independence. No, the Kurds, talk to the Kurds. They see themselves as Iranian first, Kurds second. These are the things you hear, right? But no, if you actually go talk to the Kurds, they don't see themselves as Iranian first. They didn't see themselves as Kurd first. And and half of them are fuck Iran altogether, right? But but again, these are the competing narratives that is happening in Iran. The competing narrative in Iraq, again, what do people, Iraqi people think? So Iraqis are like, oh, Iran is a blessing to Iraq. Some Ira some Iraqis are like, no, if, you know, why do we? Why Ir Iran should stop meddling in our uh, in our government, right? So if you hear something on Twitter, if you hear uh, in Israel, you go talk to Israelis. No two Israelis can agree on a single thing. If you go talk to, the, actually, the most unanimous views that you could get, I, I heard in Palestine, okay, on politics, not on religion. Uh, but Israelis disagree, Iraqis disagrees, Saudi people don't disagree, Saudi people, a lot of Saudi people hate their own government for being so close to Israeli, but I mean they do disagree, but they're more unanimous on this than, than Iranian people, Iranian people are very divided, um, Americans are very divided, so if you hear a narrative, if you hear something on Twitter, uh, both from the government, against the government, don't assume that, oh, this Iranian is saying this, or this Israeli is saying this, or me, if I'm saying this, this must be the true thing. It's very complicated. There are a lot of competing narratives, and everybody has something to sell. So you just have to try to see who's, what, what people's biases are. And even, like, if I'm telling you these things, I'm biased, okay? I'm an anti-Islam, I have anti-Islamic bias, right? So you have to see, like, maybe I'm saying something that is not true, you have to take my anti-Islam bias into account to see if I'm being fair, if I'm saying something, right? I'm trying to not to be biased, I'm trying to look at things realistically, but you can't just accept people what, what they're saying. You just, what 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 we say, tell you and what other people tell you, that's just one of the pieces of the puzzle, and you just like try to take it all in and put it all together, right? To see if you could make it, you could ha take the, see what the entire image looks like. Everything, don't just take anyone's word for it not mine not anyone else's but go sorry ellie go ahead yeah so i no, that's it yeah. that's for, for us so we're gonna wrap it up right now um yeah that was fun there's probably a lot more we could get into yeah on this topic but i think uh this a is a lot of history just... we could have get into that we didn't which is already in the third part of the our islam versus shia series uh, actually, uh, the, the Sunni versus Shia series. No, so yeah, actually, a lot of Sunnis would love that I said Islam versus Shia because that's how they see it. <laughs> it's not Sunni versus Shia; it's Islam versus Shia. I so. did, yeah, I did the opposite. My Eid greeting, by the way, everybody who uh, celebrated Eid, a belated Eid Mubarak, a happy Eid to all of you who celebrated. Oh my God! But a lot I... of Sunnis think a lot of Sunnis would see what I just said as a, as a Freudian slip, like, oh, Armin is admitted that Shia Islam is not really Islam. 
Eric, if I yeah, go. Yeah, I know, but I, I actually <laughs> had uh, fun with it. So what I'd written on uh, on, on Eid right. was that uh, today it shouldn't matter whether you're a true Muslim or just a Sunni. Eid is for everybody. Eid Mubarak to all of you. And and that was a lot of fun because most people are like, oh, thank you, thank you. And then there's a lot of Sunnis who got really upset, which was fun. They Why did it, they uh, get upset? You were being nice. I said today it shouldn't matter whether you're a true Muslim oh. or just a Sunni. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why. Okay, that's my so yearly is, Eid greeting. But anyway, so okay. that and um, I'm yeah, we're going to go now. Uh, we're going to come back uh, uh, soon until next time. So we'll see you guys. And if it hasn't happened already, go Raptors. I hope leave your, leave your disagreements with whatever we said after the live, the live stream is over. Leave your disagreements in the comment section of the YouTube uh, video that uh, we would like to see what the you know what the counter to anything we said like is if you disagree it's it's well it's good because uh we want to see like you know we learn a lot from the comment section so yeah so thank you for that uh, abe patel is saying rizvi bro i have questions about med school email me <laughs> okay about that here all right guys all right, all right you take all. care Bye. all right the secular jihadists have been made possible thanks to the illuminati and the covert support of israel and the cia that's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadist.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you.